This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. John chapter 21, and uh, this is such a wonderful passage of scripture. We're continuing our series, Red Letter Love. At the end of the Red Letter Love, we're going we're gonna to see, we're going to be talking about the Last Supper. We're going to be taking the Lord's table. It's going to be a wonderful way to close out this series. But I will tell you, we're going to come to the last breakfast today. We're going to talk about the last breakfast. How many of you like breakfast? Okay, I love breakfast. Okay, I love breakfast. How many of you would love to eat a breakfast made by your creator? Jesus is, if Jesus is cooking, I'm there, okay? Jesus cooks breakfast for the disciples in this passage. I think you're going to love it. And we're just going to read the first couple of verses to give us some context. Chapter 21 and verse number one says, After these things, that's the resurrection we celebrated last week. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, also known as the Sea of Galilee. On this wise, he showed himself. They were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and the other two of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I go fishing. They saw him, said to him, we also go with thee. And went forth into the ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. Let's pray. God, when our lives turn up nothing, Lord, there's something that you're wanting us to learn. God, I pray that today we would be transformed by your word, through your love, and that as we read your words in red letters in our Bible, that you would transform us from the inside out, I pray. Lord, you know every person online, every person on the radio, in the parking lot, and in this room. You know their needs. You know their burdens. You know what they're going through. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet the needs through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take you to the Sea of Galilee. I want to take you there via video, if we have the video, and I want to show you what it looks like. I've been able to stand right where Jesus was standing when the disciples were in the boat fishing. And so as we watch this video, this is Capernaum, and then you see the, the Sea of Tiberias or the, or the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was standing right on this shore, and he had cooked breakfast, and the Sea of Galilee is fed by many different streams into that body of water. And these streams bring fish and warmer water from the mountains of the Golan Heights. So as this body of water is fed these streams, the fishermen would come to the edge of where those streams were coming and they would place their nets at the stream where the, where the fish were coming into the lake. And there was much more algae there. There were a lot more fish at the, at the mouth of these rivers or small streams coming into the lake. And so all night, these fishermen were there waiting for the fish to get caught in their net. And they would pull it up and check, nothing. They would, they would you know, move it around a little bit, nothing. Now, it's really frustrating not to catch anything, but it's even more frustrating when that is what you're good at and you get nothing. These guys were professionals. They were professional fishermen, and all night they were there. Now, many times 
uh, they would do it during the night because uh, the 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 fish would uh, you know actively float down the stream into the 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 body of water at night, and so it was just easier to catch fish at night. And so they had an expectation of catching something, and the reality that they found themselves in was not catching anything. Peter was fishing for fish when Jesus had told him to fish for men. And so Jesus is about to transform what Peter is doing, and he's going to transition him into doing what he's called him to do, but he has to show him that what he's been doing is not the best thing that he was called to do. And I want to tell you that Peter just went back to what he knew. He went back to his comfort zone. He went back to what he felt like was normal. Now, I've had hundreds of conversations with people about getting back to normal, okay? When will it get back to normal? How will it get back to normal? I just want things to be back to normal. And I want you to know that, listen, I hope we get back to normal as a country as well, but I hope that you don't get back to normal in your spiritual life. I hope that this series and through the Word of God, you are transformed to a new normal. Here's the key thought, that, that his normal was not God's best. Fishing is not bad, <clears throat> but it's not God's best. And so let's look at the first key thought. What you are used to may not be bad. What you're used to may not be bad, but it may be, it could be the enemy of God's best for you. Many times, the good in our lives is the enemy of God's best. Uh, it's good to fish. It's good to get food. How many of you know it's good to eat? Okay. It's not bad to fish, but God had called them to fish for men. And so they had, they had gone back to something they were comfortable with and God was calling them out of their trans, he was transforming them out of their comfort zone into their purpose. And there's three ways that red letter love transforms all of us. This will transform your relationships. This will transform your walk with God. This will transform your perspective about life. I want to give them to you and there, this is where we're going today. Uh, Number one, transparency. We're going to see how transparency transforms our motive. Then we're going to look at the investment that Jesus made into the disciple. And and the investments we make in our relationship, it transforms our connection, both with God and with others. And then we're going to see this week and next about restoration. What does it mean to be restored in a relationship with God and with man? And how restoration transforms our direction. It shifts the direction of a a relationship from a problem to a project. We'll see that at the end. Now, number one, I want you to see that transparency transforms our motive. So the first blank there in your notes is motive. The motive that the disciples had in John chapter 21 was to catch fish. They did not go into the lake at night to stay up all night to catch nothing, as verse 3 said they did. But yet that's exactly what happened. And in verse number 4, I want you to look at this. Verse number 4, in the morning, they were come now in the morning, okay? So all night has brought them to this. But when the morning was come, Jesus stood on the shore. Let's say that together. Jesus stood on on the shore. Now I want you to know that when you have tried everything that you know or you think will work and it doesn't, Jesus is waiting there for you. Every morning when you wake up and the pressures of life start to overwhelm you, Jesus is waiting there for you. 
Jesus was waiting at the shore. There was a, 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 a photo that was taken that reminded me of this, of this event. Jesus maybe standing on the shore. You can see a boat in the, in the far distance. And I can imagine them seeing that silhouette and thinking, who's waiting for us at the shore? And in moments of disappointment, in moments of struggle, in moments of anxiety, in moments of, of, of trial, Jesus is waiting there on the shore. And I want you to know, even if life's going well, Jesus every morning's waiting there at the shore. He's waiting on the shore of your life. He's waiting there regardless of what your circumstances, and he wants fellowship with you. He wants you to be transparent. And so Jesus does not just wait there. He's, his presence is there. But look at verse number five. Look at what he says. Verse number five, he says, Children or boys, have you any meat? Have you caught anything? How's it going? Do you have any meat? And guess what they say in verse 5? No. <laughs> no. Now, Jesus already knew that they hadn't caught anything. Don't you think it's just a little bit difficult that Jesus points out the fact that these professional fishermen just couldn't catch anything? Don't you think that's just a little bit tough? And I want you to know that's the tough love Jesus gives. He's not just going to want you to face your failures. He wants you to confess them. He wants you to be open and transparent. Now, can I love on the guys? I did this the first service, and all the guys loved it. So I'll just go ahead and do it this service too, okay? Guys, it's hard for us to be transparent. It's hard for us to say, yeah, you know what? I failed in some areas. I've done some things wrong. It's hard for us to say, hey, I haven't been, I haven't been hitting uh, all, of the, all of the marks that I've wanted to spiritually lately. Jesus says, hey, how's it going? How, how's, how's the fishing coming? And they're like, it's not going well. It's daybreak. We haven't caught anything. And Jesus, in love, brings them to a moment of transparency. He, he invades a space where they need him the most. And I want you to know every moment of tension, every moment of difficulty, Jesus wants, is standing there wanting to engage in that space. Parents, can I give you a, a little bit of a parenting key? I've been studying for the parent uh, conference, the, the family conference this Friday. And, you know, I was thinking about Jesus showing up in this moment of disappointment. And, and, and in areas of, of most tension and difficulty, uh, those are the areas that Jesus is actually pinpointing where we need him the most. The area of disrespect and disobedience, it's, it's showing where, where those kids, where our kids need Jesus the most. When that teenager gives an attitude, it shows uh, where, where they need Jesus the most. It shows where, hey, w- listen, we can't do this without Jesus. And so Jesus is showing up in this moment of disappointment, in this moment of trial. And here's a key thought. Disappointments often drive us to change. And a desire to change transforms losing, difficulty, disappointment. It transforms losing into learning. Jesus is teaching the disciples a valuable lesson in the fact that he caused all of those fish not to go into their nets. Now, let me tell you something. If you win every single time, you don't need Jesus. If you catch fish without Jesus, you don't need him. Jesus is saying, guys, listen, you can't just go back to your old lifestyle without me and win. You need me. And I will tell you that I don't like any trial. I don't like a trial that comes into my life. I don't like a trial that comes into your life. And there are so many trials represented here and those that are online. But I want to tell you something. Those trials are revealing where we need Jesus. And if we're transparent enough, we can realize, wait a second, 
What's my motive in this? Is it just to get out of the pressure or is it to uncover something that I need help, I need Jesus' help with? That's why Proverbs 28, 13 says this, that he that covereth his sin will not prosper, but he that confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. When we are transparent, when we're open about our failures and our disappointments, that transparency, and that's a, that's a relational key that I wanted to give you today, is that our transparency transforms a relational deficiency from a problem into a project. You know, when Danielle and I first got married, there were some problems. And if you would have asked me, I would have said, well, that's her problem. You know, when, when the, the problem is identified, that's the time where it needs to become a project, where both of us are pulling in the same direction to work on it. You know, there's a lot of people who are pulling against other people in their relationships, in their lives, that God said, hey, I put that person in your life to pull together, to fix the project, not just to point out the problem. Anyone can point out the problem. You know, well, I mean, if you just knew how annoying, listen, it doesn't matter what the problem is. God's saying, hey, if you'll partner with me, I'll help you transform the problem into a project. And when Jesus is with you on the project, you become laborers together with God, as 1 Corinthians 3.9 says. We are laborers together with God. So here's an action item. I would encourage you in this moment of transparency uh, to ask someone. We do this through small groups. We do this one-on-one. -on -one. I'd encourage you to have someone you trust to help. Ask them to help you to be transparent. Be transparent about where you're failing. Be transparent about the disappointments you had. The worst thing we can ever do is to hide our faults and failures. But you know what our culture does? We'll talk about this last next week. Our culture wants to promote our highlights wants to promote where we're good, and wants to heal where we're hurt, wants to conceal where we're hurting. And I've said this last week, you cannot heal what you're not willing to reveal. You've got to be willing to be transparent about it. And that's what Jesus said, hey, listen, how's it going? And they said, not good. And he says, okay, I can help that. I can fix that. So number two, we see this, that investments transform, they transform our connection. Now, certainly relational connection is something that God has given us a, a need for. He's given us a, a desire for. We all desire to be connected. But I want, to I want you to remember this. And, and if you star this, if you forget everything else, I want you to remember this statement, letter A. And that is the most, the greatest relational investment, the most important relational investment is grace. The greatest thing you can ever give to someone in a relationship is grace. Do you know why there's so much conflict and division and, and just tension in our culture today? No one's willing to give grace. When was the last time you saw someone give grace on a Facebook post? No, everyone's roasting everyone else. It's unbelievable. We, 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 we long for grace, but we rarely give it. And so Jesus is here on the shore giving grace. And what does he say in verse number six? Look at verse number six. This is so amazing. It says, cast the net on the other side, the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. He's, he's basically implying, guys, you've been fishing from the wrong side of the boat. Now, if I was there, I would say, what's the difference? It's seven feet from the other side of the boat. 
I think we have a picture of a boat. This is, this is a boat that was excavated out of the, the Sea of Galilee. I stood right next to this uh, boat. It's, it's, a, it's less than seven feet across. And um, this was a boat that they would have used. We don't, know that if, we don't know that Jesus was in this boat, but it carbon dates back to the date that he was on this uh, Sea of Galilee. And, and so this, was, this is a picture of the boat. Listen, that's not, very long, that's, not a very, that's not a very wide boat. The point was not the distance between the one side of the boat to the other. The point was at his word, it would work. Let me tell you something, that, that the world has their ideas. And there's lots of books on self-help, but there's few books on humility. Humble enough to say, God, without your word, without your grace, I can't do this. I can't, I can't be a good father. I can't be a good husband. I can't live my life without you. And Jesus says, I want you to cast your net on the other side, the right side of the boat. See, in this moment, he was giving them grace. His presence was grace in their life. His provision was grace in their life. His patience was with them was grace in their life. Think about this. Peter had denied him three times. Uh, Thomas had doubted him more than three times. All of the the disciples had forsaken him at the cross. Uh, But John, but I will tell you this, that Jesus was patient enough to show up and Jesus will show up even in the mistakes that you've made, even in the disappointments that you have. Jesus is there saying, I can help you. I want to help you with this. And so Satan will be on our shoulder always to say, well, he can't help, and it, it, it just, it, it won't work. But I want to show you what happens here. Look at verse number seven. Sorry, last part of verse number six. It says, and they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Oh my goodness, here they are casting the net. You've never seen one of these net casts. I have a video to show you what happens. The, the net hits, you guys can show the video. The, next, the net hits the water, it goes down. It, the, the fish are in the middle of the net. And then of course you pull the rope and it pulls the bottom first together, trapping the fish that are inside. The fish that were inside this net were so many, they had trouble pulling it in. Some people believe that this was over 400 pounds of fish because it says that they were large fish. So here they are, they're pulling 153 fish. Who counted? I don't know. But obviously they were fishermen, so they counted 153 fish. Look at this, verse number 7. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, I love that. Listen, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. You're the disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, who Jesus loved. He just picked that title first. John says, hey, listen, I was the one that Jesus loved. And uh, I love that. He says, the one Jesus loved said unto Peter, it's the Lord. Hey, listen, we didn't catch these fish. It was him. One of the most humbling things in your entire life will be realizing that everything good is not from you. It's from God. It's humbling. It's humbling to realize, wait a second, this isn't me. God gave me this ability. God gave me the health. God gave me the, 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 the ability to do this. Listen, I, one of the things I do every week is, is pray that God will give provision and health and, and well-being to our church family. But I will tell you, when he gives it, it's a gift of grace. Like God is the giver of these things. Man, I love that, that I don't have to be. Because here's the thing, here's the pressure. The pressure is when it goes well and I take the credit, 
I also have to take the blame when it goes wrong. And listen, none of us can handle the, br- the blame and, the, and, and the, the credit for our sin. None of us can. But look at this. Look at what happens in verse number eight. I love this. And the other disciples uh, came. So, so he says, is, is the Lord, verse seven. And uh, Peter puts on his coat. I think he put on his coat because he thought he could walk in the water. Uh, but he falls into the water. He starts swimming. He swims about five minutes. It's, it's, it's about 100 yards to shore. Uh, it says uh, 200 cubits, I think is what it says. And uh, look at what it says in verse number eight. The other disciples came in a little ship. For there was not, they were not far from land, 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. So here they're, they're dragging the net. Jesus is waiting. And look at what it says in verse number nine. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there with fish and bread. Now listen, Jesus had made breakfast for the disciples. Jesus is just waiting. They're bringing. And it begs the question, why didn't Jesus just walk on the water out to them? He'd done that before. Every time Jesus shows up and the disciples are, sh- uh, are, 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 are fishing on the ship, he just walks out to the boat. Why didn't he walk out? And I truly believe this, that letter B, that investments, relational investments, they have to go both ways. Letter B, relational investments must go both ways. Jesus says, hey, I'll make the bread and the fire, but you bring the fish. Listen, I, I'm ready to reconcile this relationship, Peter. I know you denied me. I want to reconcile it. I want to help you. But you've got to want the help. You've got to want to meet me halfway. Now, I'm thankful for a Savior who, who, who doesn't force himself on me, but invites me into a relationship with him. And let me tell you, we had, we had some that invited Jesus into their life for service. I'm so thankful for that. We've had dozens of people invite them. Let me tell you, Jesus only goes where he's invited. If you invite him into your life, friends, everything changes. Now look at what happens when Jesus says, hey, hey, I want, I want some, I want to eat breakfast with you boys. Come on, get the fish. Now look at, so they're all dragging these fish. Peter feels the most guilt. Look what happens. Peter's denied God. And and Jesus had already said, man, you deny me, I'll deny you. Listen, don't deny me. Peter's feeling the guilt and the shame of that denial. Look at what happens. Verse number uh, 10. And Jesus said, bring ye the fish that you've caught. He's looking straight at Peter. How do we know this? He says, Peter, I want you to pull these fish in. Look look, Look at what happens in verse number 11. Simon Peter went up, drew the net to the land of great fishes. Now, it's not just the other disciples. They had 11 disciples pulling on this 400 pound. Now Peter says, no, I'm doing this. And I believe every pull of the net, Peter's realizing I wasn't meant to pull in fish. I was meant to pull people to Jesus. Jesus was reminding Peter, hey, listen, you weren't meant to do this. This struggle is not your struggle. You're not meant to do a physical work struggle. It's not bad, but it's not the best. This is not what you're called to do. You're called to pull people to me. And in verse number 11, he brings the fish uh, to, to Jesus, 153 fish, as we said. For all were so many, and, and, and yet the net was not broken. 
And so here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I'm going to invest time. I'm going to invest money. You're going to be able to keep these fish. It's about a year's worth of wages, these fish, when they sold them. Uh, you're going to remember your purpose. I'm going to invest purpose back into you. I'm going to empower you. I'm not going to let the net break. I'm going to, I'm going to let you uh, bring them in. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to do all this because I'm going to renew the connection. I'm going to restore my connection through an investment that I will make. And Jesus invites us, and here's our key thought. He invites us to do our part to develop our relationship with him and our relationship with others. Listen, God has put relationships in your life not so that you could neglect them, but so that you could develop them, so that you could increase the, the, the uh, ability that you have to connect with those people around you. And so here's, here's just a quick action item, and it is this. Keep track of the investments that you are making into the relationships that God has given you. Now, remember how I said that, that Jesus was waiting there? You know why he was waiting? Here Peter has his coat on. Peter has to swim. Peter's just swimming away. Jesus is just waiting. I was thinking about that. What, what if Peter would have given up halfway between the boat and the shore? What if Peter would have said, I don't know what Jesus is going to say when I get there, but I'm just... I'm just going to go back to the boat. I believe Peter grabbed his coat so he didn't have to go back to the boat. I believe that one of the greatest things that Peter did was just say, I don't care what the devil tells me. I don't care what Jesus is going to say. I want to get to Jesus. Do you know why we know G Peter wanted to get to Jesus? Because the last time uh, Jesus gave them a great amount of fish in Luke chapter 5, what does Peter say? Depart from me. Lord, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. The first time Jesus does this miracle, Peter says, I have to get away from you. The second time Jesus does the miracle, Peter says, I can't wait to get close to you. Do you see that? And so Peter's just swimming. And I was thinking about that. He just, Peter, just keep swimming, man. It doesn't matter what, what doubt. It doesn't matter the shame that you feel from denying. Just keep swimming. Then I remembered, wait a second. What's that song? What's that song? Guys, play it. Dory, right? Just keep hey, swimming. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you gotta do? I don't wanna know what you gotta do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dory, no singing. Ha, 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 I love to swim in. Dory. When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm gonna get... He says, see, I've got this stuck in my head. Listen. Sometimes when you're going through something tough, you don't want someone to tell you to keep going. In fact, you think you want someone to say, ah, oh, just give in the towel. Just come on. It, you, you don't want to keep going. And I'm here to tell you, transforming love just says, hey, keep going. Jesus is on the shore with arms wide open. He wants relationship with you. He wants connection with you. He wants to transform you. Listen, never let the devil tell you to give up. Never let the devil to tell you, hey, it's not worth it. You just keep swimming. You just keep going towards your Savior. As long as you're going to Jesus, everything will be all right. Just take one stroke after the other. I love this, that Peter beats John to Jesus after John had beat Peter to the tomb. Peter says, I'm not losing twice. I'm getting to Jesus. He didn't let anything get in between him and Jesus. And so our investments, they transform our connection. 
But I want you to show, I want you to see this. We're going to finish this next week, okay, in part two. But I want you to see this. That finally, restoration, that transforms our direction. When you're restored in a right relationship with God, which by the way, let me just say this, and I didn't say it first service and I regretted it. Do you know how many times you and I have to restore our relationship with God every day? We have to make short accounts with God. Every moment, I have to, oh God, I, I, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to, please, Lord, I, I'm sorry. I, I, you know what? I ignored that person and that, that wasn't right. And I said that and I thought that. And we're constantly restoring our relationship. Listen, your relationships, humanly speaking, constantly need restoring, forgiveness, grace. And so there's going to be constant corrections and constant ask for forgiveness. I am sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Relationships can't go on without that restoration. And next week, we're going to talk all about that restoration. What does it look like to have a restored relationship? How does that work? How do we flesh that out? And Jesus shows us perfectly how to restore a relationship because he perfectly restored Peter. Let me tell you this. When our restoration takes place, it doesn't focus us on the problem, on the person. It focuses us on our purpose. Now look at this. In verse number 12, Jesus says three really important words. And it's the three words that define how he wants to connect with us. He says this in verse number 12, uh, after they had brought the fish, after they had cooked the fish, they're ready to eat. Hey, they, they have bread. How many of you are glad Jesus brought bread again to the breakfast table? And so Jesus said unto them, Come and dine. Say that with me. Come and dine. The word dine literally means not just to eat, but to talk. It literally means to talk together, to enjoy a meal together. You see, back then, they wouldn't just eat with their phone. They wouldn't just, they wouldn't just consume food. It was an experience. And, and, and they just looked forward. When you asked someone to come and dine, you weren't just saying, hey, let's eat food together. Like, let's nourish ourselves together. You were saying, hey, let's come, let's connect together. Let's connect. And, and the connection that Jesus wants with all of us is a connection not based on what we've done, but based on what he has done. It's based on what he went to the cross to do, what he rose again to do. And so here's a relationship key. Relationships begin and develop when, when we make simple invitations to spend time together. Do you know why most relationships don't begin? Because it's just tough making that invitation. Do you know, I, re I thought I was like so smooth in asking Danielle out. And then I found out after we got married that our first date was because her dad told her to go on the first date. I'm like, man, what in the world? That didn't give me that much confidence. Like, come on, man. You know, the reality is our relationship with God is not predicated on how well we talk to him. Our relationship is not based on what good words we say to him. Our relationship is not how good we've been. Our relationship is based solely on his grace. We have to understand that. So church oftentimes acts like and seems like, well, the people that are really good, well, they are really connected with God. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. We all come to a level, level, level playing field and we say, God, we are coming to the what? The table of grace. And we are just 
finding what we need in our relationship with him. We are coming every morning and we are dining with him. We are, we are coming and we are making an investment with him. We are, we, are, we are asking God, what do you want me to do? Here's an action item. Ask God to reveal what he wants you to do, to begin doing for him. What, what do you want me to do? What, what, what's next? Jesus says, hey, boys, I want you to come. I want you to sit around. I want to talk to you. I, I want to have a meal with you. Listen, uh, we already had the last supper, but I want to have the last breakfast because we have some unfinished business. I, I want to connect our relationship. I want to redirect your action plan. So here's the takeaway, and that is transparency and investment. They create a connection that can restore a right direction to any relationship. You say, not any relationship, any relationship. Any relationship that God wants restored. Now listen, God doesn't want all all relationships restored. Okay? But the relationships that God wants restored, and I want to tell you this, that God wants your relationship with him restored. If you're far from Jesus, he's not far from you. He's he's ready there, man. His arms are wide open. But I want you to know this, that he can change the direction of your life. If you're running away from him, run toward him. If if, if you need help, if you need hope, Jesus has that help and hope you need. But friends, let me tell you this, that you are not ready to live unless you are ready to die. That Jesus came and died for you so that we could live for him. And I was reminded of this when I was talking to a, a friend who helped us actually start New Life. And he was just getting to Sri Lanka where he was serving as a missionary. And right after he had gotten there, there was a horrific, in 2019, a horrific terrorist attack. And I wanted to remind you of this horrific thing. This was one of the worst terrorist attacks uh, that Sri Lanka has ever seen. I want you to see this. More news now. Welcome back. This Easter holiday was marred by a terror attack in Sri Lanka. Hundreds were killed, hundreds more injured in a series of explosions targeting churches holding Easter services. The wave of bombings also targeting hotels in the Sri Lankan capital of Colombo. At least 207 people have been killed, 450 injured. Dozens of people from other countries are among the dead. The government says the suspects were suicide bombers believed to be religious extremists. Eight people have been arrested so far. There were six initial bombings at three hotels and three churches. Let me tell you some of the stories that were coming out of that event were just terrible. There was one story that has actually transformed this horrific event into something that that many people have seen incredible things happen in their lives as a result of this one story. One of the churches had a Sunday school class with several children that were learning the Bible, and the teacher was mid-lesson when she just felt led to ask a few questions. And one of the questions she asked was, how many of you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And many of the kids raised their hand. And she said, of you, how many of you, since Jesus had died for you, how many of you, if it came down to it, she didn't know why she was asking this, she just felt led to ask this. She said, how many of you would be willing to die for Jesus so that others could know Jesus? And several raised their hands. 
Little did she know, five minutes later, after she asked those questions, a bomb would go off right by that group. And many of those kids who raised their hand to say, I would be willing to give my life so that others could know Jesus. Many of those children who raised their hand five minutes before that Sunday school teacher asked that question perished in those suicide bombings. Hundreds of people have come to Jesus. Hundreds of people know Jesus now. Hundreds of people have been restored in their relationship with God. Why? Because there were some young people who said, I will give the ultimate price. I will, and they didn't know that it was going to be soon. But they said, I will give the ultimate price so that I could be, so I could reconnect someone else to their creator. Let me tell you, God's given you physical life. But Jesus came so that you could have spiritual life. And friend, if you're living something way different than God intended, if you're living a life based on self-love and not red-letter love, if you're living a life that's not transformed by his grace, that is not living uh, according to the transparency that grace calls us to live by, let me tell you, friend, Jesus is inviting you for fellowship today. Jesus is inviting you to live a transformed life. And next week, we're gonna see how that transformation brings a reconciliation and a new relationship that transforms every part of our life, our marriages, our, our, our jobs, our, our relationships with our friends and our family members. Let me tell you, Jesus can transform every area of your life when you decide, I'm transparent and open. I need your grace and I'm ready for you to restore what I haven't been able to restore. Peter wanted deep, deep down inside to restore his relationship, but Jesus was the one who said, here's how to do it. And so next week, we're gonna talk about that restoration, but today we wanna, we wanna ask God, what do you want me to do in order to restore my relationship with you and in order for me to transform my relationships to those nearest to me? Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.